Welcome everybody to episode 115 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us at Two on Three Pod on Twitter, and you can send us email at hello, hello. at Two on Three Pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I'm Chris, and you can find me just trying to hang in there at CD Villasenor on Twitter. And with me is Ty. Where can we find you keeping on? I'm at SEATJK as usual, spouting just fountains of valuable information on a day to day basis. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned it a little while ago, but Twitter has gotten a little more fun. Like, there's some crazy shit going on, and it's and it's a little wild west, and I like it. It's not so much. It's not like targeted messages and and advertising and all this other stuff. People are just kind of stir crazy, and it and it makes for much much better Twitter. Yeah the 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 juxtaposition though is so stark now. It's like death and destruction, right? Weird jokes. Exactly. And it was always a little bit like that, but now it's real stark. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about it. The uh, what's what's really funny to me is the is the fact that how bad like blatant advertising stands out now. It just yes. shows up, and you're just like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Like, just stop, stop trying to sell me products right now. It's just I'm not interested. No one's interested. Just stop. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, the 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 depression that we're entering has made for some wild deals on sneakers. And I, I haven't been playing any golf, so I have a little bit of extra, not, not extra money. Cause I'm definitely watching my wallet, you know, being, sure. being uh, conscientious about that. But there've been a couple of deals I just couldn't pass up. And then I ordered them. And then like almost immediately after I heard them, like, when am I going to wear these <laughs> sneakers for what? Right. Yeah, my uh, my daughter came to me with a bunch of clothes she wanted to buy, and I'm like, "What are you gonna do with these clothes? You're just gonna wear them around the house? What do you? There's there's no reason to buy clothes right now." She goes, "But they're on sale." I'm like, "Hey, I don't know. No, no, you don't need clothes right now." In fact, I feel like I'm doing my part to rewear the clothes that I'm wearing to flatten the laundry curve. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, exactly. We're just yeah. You know, the laundry's hilarious because when you're working. It's just like you come home and like I'm going to do something after work, like go to the gym or go hit golf ball. So you change and then you change again. And like the laundry's all piling up. Now it's like I wear the same pants every day, like all week long. Yeah. I don't even really put the clothes away. I just start wearing them again as they come out of the laundry. And I just, I'm rotating like the same four outfits. It's like four pairs of underwear. (laughs) Like I, on a good week, two, two, two shirts. (laughs) That's like the laundry that I've created over the past eight days. I don't like to shame myself on this podcast. <laughs> well, that's not true. I do it all the time. But my wife actually last week was like, honey, you can change your underwear every day. <laughs> She's like, I only saw a couple of pairs come through. <laughs> I'm like, eh. Oh, here's the thing. I took off my pants with the underwear in it, and I just put the pants back on with the underwear in it. This is, this seems very, this seems very, this seems very easy to do. This is... This, what, she makes a point. She makes a point. <laughs> I would only put on clean underwear after I took a shower. That's the problem, right? Is it that is the habit? Um, I used to be much more finicky about this as a younger person. Like if I, like I could put a pair of underwear on and wear them for a couple of hours, and then if I took them off, I would never put them back on. And, right. Which is, I don't know. That's a now, young man. That's a young of, man's thought. Yeah, that's a young a man's thought. <laughs> Here's it. Clean underwear after a shower. Clean underwear, clean shirt after a shower. Otherwise, 
why would I do it? Like, there's some days where you take the shower early in the day, like right. before lunch, yeah. and then you hang around the house, and then you go to bed, so you put on your bed clothes, whatever those may be, and then I get up the next morning. If I don't take a shower, I'm just going to put the clothes back on that I wore in the house right. from 11 a.m. the ne- previous day, and then yes. maybe you go the whole rest of the day, and then you grab a shower late, like 8 o'clock at night, and you that's, think to yourself- yeah, that's about it. Yeah. That's like a- Bed clothes. Bed. <laughs> well, some sleeping wear- nude is also a young man's game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to be sleeping naked around here. Um, you know, on the on the on the sheet tonight. Um, be, speaking of Twitter being kind of a wild place, you did uh, you did mention our friend J L Coven, who does the absolute pinnacle of the Trump impression. No one else should even try anymore. It, it's so you could you can if you look away. Yeah, he's got it. It's so. It's perfect. So he's at J-L-C-A-U-V-I-N. He's done a couple of videos, and he he's kind of pimping his podcast that he does as Trump. I don't think I could take a whole podcast of him being Trump. I don't know. I haven't tried it on for size. Well, I, I get triggered by listening to Trump speak. <laughs> like, I get, like my, my wife will turn it on and like, you got to turn that shit off. I cannot. <laughs> watch it on the internet later. Don't put that on my television. Right. I can't cool. handle it. I could take maybe some clips later on, but yeah. not like live. You can't do the live Corona oh task force. <laughs> um, well, speaking but, of speaking of speaking of Trump, the thing that's really getting on my under my nerves these days, he's still like extra full of shit, right? Like lately, sure. And he's doing he's doing this thing where he's like pausing to wait for the lie to like populate in his cerebral <laughs> cortex, where he's like, and I'll tell you, are you ready for this? And it's like, fucking, dude, when you, I, we always know what your lying, like, like, uh, indicators are, but this one is just, I, I, I just can't take it. Are you ready for this? I just, what kind of shit are you doing? What are you saying? This is a press briefing. No one is excited to hear what you have to say. We're talking about death. The, uh, yes, uh, the whole, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the news has become sort of like the, um, it's like the, the Andrew Cuomo Trump and they're kind of the same they're kind of the same guy if you if you listen to them talk long enough if you sort of like go back if they go back to back if you catch clips of them back to back you're like they're both like these New York guys and like New York guys are now running the na- like the nation and I think I think it's the problem I think that might be the problem like we got New York guys running the nation like, well, it's interesting to me that when you look at sort of Cuomo versus like now, there's an argument to be made that Cuomo's a largely a media creation, dependent on East Coast bias and a New York-based national media. But you look at him versus, say, Gavin Newsom or a guy like Jay Inslee, who's both of whom have done excellent jobs. I think Newsom was a little late to act uh, from the get-go, but has really picked up his his act uh, as, as things have gone along. And I think that Inslee's been on top of it pretty much from the get-go. Although the stay-at-home order probably could have come a little earlier. That's well, it. Inslee, yeah, Inslee did a good job because it landed right at his feet early. Like right, it he was didn't a, have it a choice. Was, it was a big mess early on for him, so he right. acted quickly. So, I mean, obviously terrible that we were the epicenter of the whole thing for a hot minute. But it's, I mean, for him it was like he didn't have a choice, so he made a made a good decision. So, but it's interesting interesting to me that it does seem like the American people at large, or the media, whether it's us or them, it's hard to tell for me, but. There's something about if you're just competent, like to me, obvious competence seems to breed resentment in people. Whereas if you're competent, but also just kind of a prick, people are more into it. Like, and that's the Cuomo thing, right? It's like, it's <laughs> sure. like hey, like, look, this is like if Trump didn't suck. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. He's a New York guy. Right. Anyway. Well, speaking of J.L. Coffin, that reminded me of Melissa Villasenor, who sure. got a job on SNL basically by posting impression videos on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And since you share a last name with her, and she uses, I noticed, you know, I follow her on Twitter, I noticed that she, she uses the Enye in her last name. Right. You pronounce the Enye. Mm-hmm. But you don't use it in your typography. And I know that you and I have talked about this before, but I want to hear the reasons why. Was it just I'm, conf- Go I'm too lazy to put the N out. Like, I could do it. <laughs> I, in fact, my official, the official, the official, the listener does have the, have the tilde. Sure. Which, which I always put on my, like, um, my, my hip little email sign out, which is like V, capital V with a tilde. Sure. Behind it. So I use it. I just never use it. My sister uses hers. My sister uses hers. Like all of her stuff has. So did it your on. parents did? Did your parents do it? Was uh-huh. was, was Doctor Villasenor? Did he have an Enya yeah. on his name on his name placard? Yeah, it's there. It's silent. I like <laughs> typographically <laughs> silent on my. <laughs> I don't know. I'm too, I'm too lazy to put it on there. I don't know. I just don't do it. It's not that hard. It really isn't. <laughs> They, what, what reminded me of it was the other day when I typed Jose Fernandez and I took the time to the extra two seconds to like to, control shift. All I have <laughs> you, you 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 forget that I, I speak Spanish, so I've typed it enough that I actually know the um, the codes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I put the umlauts on Motley Crew. Does that does that? Does you don't even respect yourself <laughs> enough. You give the crew more respect than you give yourself. I do anyway. All right, let's let's uh, let's set up this show today. We're thinking about the road to recovery. You know, I'm starting to. I'm starting to. I'm starting to look ahead. So we're going to talk a little bit about quarantine binges. So you know, as we work our way out of this, maybe some strategies for bringing some sports back. And we still have to dispense some some podcast justice to people who aren't, you know, who are not helping. Still not helping. Still not helping. Six weeks into this, still not helping. No. All right, and then but of you do what I want, America. Um, we're gonna go to the obviously the Dejatwa and then Passover time, <laughs> <laughs> since it is Passover, and uh, and you know in the over in the Passover time, uh, I'll touch a little bit of my my uh, my Passover uh, my Passover experience. Okay, well, I learned something recently that I want to share with you as well. All right, segment number one. So for some of us. Um, who are stuck in the house. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I can do with the TV running, which means binge time. So I've been trying to think about things that I wanted to watch. Like there's some old movies that I'll, I'll come back to, things that sort of I missed. I actually stumbled across Anaconda the other day and watched the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> I, I couldn't turn it off. It was, it, it's... Anyway, this people is people like of, it. I'm not one of them, but people like it. This is the kind of hole you fall into when you're when you're just stuck around the house and you're just like, oh, I I could change it, but whatever. It's I feel like you of, just you look at the John Voight and you're like, mm, I can grow that ponytail. <laughs> and, I and, can do that and bring up like a terrible accent <laughs> and a Kari Wurr sighting. So that might have had something to do with it. But um, but the thing that I missed around the first time and i don't know maybe i thought it was a little bit twee at the time Mm. and maybe i was too cool for school but literally but community i completely missed it the first time around and everyone would talk to me about it said oh you'd love this you know i'm very sort of referential i love movies i love all this stuff and i think i watched a little bit of it i just was like you know it's a little too forward like i just didn't like it's the same reason i didn't like uh psych 
too like, joke centered for you? Not joke centered. I just Psych was, sucks. What are you talking about? No, people I don't like Psych, and and I tried to watch it because people say, oh, they're awfully really referential. It's very pop referential. Mm. Does, they do a lot of. I tried to watch think, it too. I didn't like it. I didn't like it, but they just brought Community out on Netflix, mm. so I f- turned it on, and ten years later or more, I think it's really funny. It is really funny. And I'm really enjoying it. So I just sort of turn it on and leave it run, like, during the day. So when I'm in, I'm in and out of it. So I've been sort of uh, just binging community. I, I really think it's funny. And uh, and I didn't, I didn't think it was funny a decade ago, which is really, I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe, it's, maybe I was open to it this time around. I'm surprised that a number of those people didn't really go on to do much. Like, I thought that, well, I mean, obviously Donald Glover, pivoted into a completely different career because that's what he always wanted to do but right. I, I guess i thought that i'd see more of danny pooty than we en- ended up with yeah um he's really funny but i guess uh i guess you have to find him in the right you have to find him the right spot right yeah you know the uh the technology guy or whatever. <laughs> he did and he did like i feel like he was in a maybe a marvel movie where he was on a Con- computer console for five seconds <laughs> i remember seeing him like hey Tro- or, uh, abed yeah so yeah so that's the that's that was my that was my binge discovery have you have you dipped a toe into anything so we like, went through the season the second season you- of lost in space on yeah we went through the second season of lost in space on your recommendation i like um, lost in space it's it's particularly good in a binge too like we watched about three episodes a night two to three episodes a night uh, if we get to three, that's a miracle. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, I, I can recommend it. I can say that if you're interested in that at all. I mean, I, I have realized I'll pretty much watch any kind of sci-fi. I'll give it a chance. But I like it more when it's grounded. I find that so another show that we started was a, a new Amazon original show called Tales from the Loop. It is, I don't know yet. So we're three episodes in. Um, the first episode's great. The second episode is pretty good. And the third episode's kind of sucks so it's got a little bit of a black mirror vibe where it's clear that you're not really going to get answers about like where this came from or why this is happening it's just sort of about the character study as it's happening to them and i tend to enjoy that a little bit more than a straightforward sort of space battle sci-fi show and i think that's why i like lost in space because it is um they're they're having to overcome something and it's not just you you know I, i like star trek don't get me wrong but like part of it I don't know, it's very villain of the wiki. I mean, that's the nature of TV back then, but also just, it's an endless voyage through space. It may never actually... Their their ongoing mission is to explore new worlds. Right. <laughs> Seek out new so, life. Yeah, I, I, I haven't really been sucked into anything new or rediscovered anything in the same way. Um, but Community, I'm, I'm excited for you that you found it. It is definitely a, a, a solid watch. And what I loved about Community is that it's both high concept and very straightforward and they can do both and vacillate between both um, without too much effort. Right. And that's the, they, yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky thing that they've done and they've done it really well. The, uh, I did, uh, speaking of Star Trek, I did the Picard thing because I wanted to. um, And so I actually, they ended up making it free, but I actually paid for a month of CBS access. So I I timed it to where, you know, six episodes or five, it's a 10 episode thing. So I wanted to make sure that I paid for with the free week and you pay for whatever, five weeks that I could just pay for one month of CBS access and watch all of Picard, all 10 episodes. So I, you know, I waited, I delayed it a month and then jumped in and then binged it out. 
I don't think my were, wife cares about Star Trek at all, so I'll, I'll get to that eventually. Yeah, and they were doing it. They were doing it weekly, like The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't just watch all the episodes in one shot. So I ended up having to wait a week in between, which was actually kind of weird, but kind of a throwback. I felt the same way about The Mandalorian. Like I looked forward to yes. release day, and then to find then make time to to watch it. But uh, I liked it. You know, I think I I dipped a toe into some sort of discussion, like online discussion, and look what people thought. And you know, it's it's relatively you know, of course, it's sci-fi, so half the people say it sucks, and half the people are <laughs> like say it's great. But I enjoyed it. I mean, it was nice to it was nice to jump back into that world. I mean, I liked that era of Star Trek, so uh, it was fun to see. Yeah, Patrick Stewart's always good, right? I mean, <laughs> so. That was a. Uh, that's. I think that's probably worth a worth a jump into. Um, Speaking of the Mandalorian, that's something I finally caught up on. So six months later, I'm caught up on the Mandalorian zeitgeist. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> now all all the baby Yoda memes are starting to make sense. Now they're all starting to come into focus. I mean, I had a fairly solid idea of what was going on there. There was just enough, you know, sort of ancillary art, artwork floating around that I had some clue about how that was going to figure in. It, I, I think I blew my wife's mind when I turned to her. I was like, you know, that's not Yoda. <laughs> right. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, timeline-wise, that can't be Yoda. Yoda's already dead. Yeah. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, who's, she's like, who's that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's a, it's another of his species. It's another of his kind. A Yodite? <laughs> a yo, a yo toddler? A yodler? I don't know. But I enjoyed The Mandalorian. The thing about, you're talking about that week-to-week thing, and I'm glad, actually, that I watched The Mandalorian without the breaks, because... It's a lot easier to weather a shitty episode if you're going to watch another one right afterwards. Yeah, there's the one episode with the bounty hunter kid. It's a, it's shit a complete ep- waste. And it's a, a, a waste ep- of Ming-Na shit- Wen. <laughs> it's a shit episode. It's yeah, not, for sure. It's pointless. Yeah. Um, but but you liked it? You, you enjoyed that? I did. I did. Although it's now like cast... Uh, learning about the Mandalorian creed in detail has cast a lot of my other knowledge about Mandalorians into <laughs> doubt. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? Because other Mandalorian characters I'm familiar with from other Star Wars properties, namely from Star Wars Rebels, which you and I have talked about on this show briefly. At times, you told me that you've never watched it. Um, I am about a third of the way through the third season. Uh, I'm watching it with the kids. So mm. my younger daughter is, like, super into it. She's like, can we watch Rebels? I'm like, yeah, let's put it on. And we'll watch, you know, they're only 20, 22 minutes. So, you know, the times we'll watch four in a shot. And that's uh Did that's they do Clone Wars? Did you do Clone Wars with them, too? Or is not So yet? we haven't done that yet because I tried to do Clone Wars by myself a while ago and I couldn't get through the first season. Like, it was just too boring. Um, so I think with Clone Wars, I might do go look online and see if somebody's done sort of the essential Clone Wars. <laughs> right. And that's actually what I was going to suggest to you is that I know you said you hadn't watched Rebels. There's a lot in there that actually informs some of the later, the last, the last trilogy, as far as the, some of the ancillary stuff. Like I probably wouldn't have had as many questions about the Sith Wayfinder if I had watched Rebels before <laughs> I had seen Rise of Skywalker. Um, and it feels there like is a, it someone. feels like, it feels like a click and run to me. Like I can do this whole click and run. Like I'm just going to start it. And then just let the episodes run while I while I'm around. Well, you can do that because there's a lot of times where we're watching it where there's like, oh, I don't really have to pay attention to this episode because again, being that it's sort of uh, the old model of television, there are quite a few episodes that are essentially mission of the week, and uh-huh. for the most part, you don't have to watch those, right? You don't nothing important. But when the show is moving the plot along, it's actually some of my favorite Star Wars I've maybe ever consumed. It's very true to some of the original feel. It's got um, some great, obviously, because it's animated, so the lightsaber fights. It's like it's 
better fighting than was in the prequels because it didn't you know get overboard it wasn't corny looking it wasn't cartoony um, right. because the cg it's not it's it's sort of that 3d animation uh, but i'm super excited that my younger daughter has actually connected with it now because she was telling me you know she's one of the main characters is a young force wielder who he's becoming a jedi and she's like he's turning to the dark side i'm like yeah yeah you know what's going on i love it <laughs> you you know you know um have your kids done avatar the the last airbender we've watched the movie but not the oh the movie's awful they like yeah. it uh, they'll love it. I think that cartoons another good um, another binge that you should probably look up because it's totally worth it. It is great, great fantasy. Well, what I was going to say to you about Rebels too, and I appreciate that recommendation, and I'll definitely take it into under advisement. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> someone has put together like the essential Rebels, like only you only have to watch these episodes and it, it to like connect it to uh, the larger Star Wars universe. Okay, and kind of enjoy the way it informs the the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, so if you're at all interested in, you know, I know you love Star Wars, so there is some, you can go look up uh, Essential Rebels and, and watch just those specific episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I have to, it reminded me of something you, when, when your daughter says he's turning the dark side. So we have this ping pong set that you can set up on any table. Right. And we I talked about it on the show. About, yeah, we talked about this. So we play some ping pong pretty much every day. And um, I was playing with my son. He comes in. He Trots says, "Dad, you want to play ping pong?" I said, "Yes." I said, "And I'm gonna, I'm gonna smash, I'm gonna smash this ping pong ball down your throat." And he says, "Oh yeah? Would you want me to save room for your fist?" <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, my parenting, my parenting is, I'm, I'm all done now. Like, <laughs> yes, and save room for my fist. Cause I'm gonna smash into your stomach and break your damn spine. Oh, it's classic, the butcher it- of Bakersfield. <laughs> It's so good. Anyway, uh, he uh, it was uh, when he said it. Like, I we had we probably hadn't talked about it for a while, but I just laughed and laughed, <laughs> and I couldn't stop. I was like, dude, he knows how to push my buttons in that way. That's awesome. All right, segment two. So, people are now beginning the process of trying to figure out how to bring sports back. Now, I saw today that uh, the Bundesliga is trying to figure out ways to get their league started up again. Um, I think they're probably going to go empty stadium. Um, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of ideas churning around. Um, the Major League Baseball was thinking about having essentially an Arizona league mm-hmm. where they, everyone plays there. Um, my favorite idea has been the UFC private island. Like, what's the... The, what's the Kumite? The, <laughs> what's the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Bloodsport. With, no, no, with Roger Moore, where oh. they go to that, where they, where they go to that, uh, they island, the voyage, or some such nonsense. Oh, but the there's quest, basically the oh, something like that. Like there's the fighting island, right? Yeah, the quest. The quest. Anywho, which I watched exactly once <laughs> in 1996. I, I don't even think I watched it the whole th- way through. Um, but, but the UFC private island fight thing was hilarious and. Dana White couldn't have been more excited about talking about this private island where they're going to have fights. It's like, you can have them in Las Vegas, dude. You don't have to go to a private island, but apparently, you know, Nevada won't sanction them. Sure. So they're going to go to a private island, which is the ultimate rich guy move for everything, right? Like, I'm just going to have a private island, and we're going to do whatever we want there. <laughs> we're going to have people fight each other on television. <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> so for, I mean, I don't want to be the downer on this, but the, the first question I have is 
especially in light of the news today that federal government's going to shut down some some testing facilities. Who who needs that? As I've said before, you can't know how many cases there are if you don't test for them. I think part of me thinks that the the testing is going to get just better distributed and quicker, so you don't have to have those full bore testing facilities that they'll be able to dispense you a test that you can pinprick yourself and get a result really quickly it when I see it hey if that hits the if that hits the streets i'm going to be thrilled well sure i mean because if we could get widespread testing you can actually start talking about even doing some of the things that you're describing so i actually as a spectator love the idea of the major league baseball plan of let's just have everybody be here and we'll just like run three or four games a day like on three fields or whatever yeah. or, or eight games a day or, or whatever they're going to do um just because I, I think it'll be so just so strange and and how like that i think it'll make bring something out in the players that's very strange but in a good way you know sort of just a, a camaraderie that you don't see on a day-to-day basis or maybe a i don't know maybe an insanity really from because you have to yeah. sequ- be, be sequestered the whole time you can't leave because no, they you, have to you test can. you and then control your whereabouts right everyone gets tested coming in right everyone's t- everyone tests negative or tested i had it already and have the antibody so you're in and then and then yeah, you have to you have to you have to go from the ball field to the whatever training facility to the hotel and you can't interact with other people. That seems like it'd be really hard to do as a human being. <laughs> I mean, they're doing we're doing it now. I suppose. Um it's not fun. It's I'm not, not enjoying fun, it. But at least, you know, I mean, you could start up the money machine, they could at least get paid. I mean, if I was getting if I was getting Clayton Kershaw money, wouldn't I go ahead and say, "Okay, family, I will see you as soon as they let me see you." But right now, I have to go earn forty million dollars, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is. I mean, I understand if you're not ma- if you're making the league minimum, it's still pretty good money. It's you have to support a family. So if they find a way to start it up, I don't know as a player why you wouldn't want to do it. Right now, I know LeBron made some sort of like, I don't want to play in front of not I. I don't want to play in front of a no fan situation. I don't understand like, why he cares. I, I have this I have this theory that pro athletes don't want to play without fans because it stops them from getting laid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when you travel on the road. Yeah, no, I and get you it. Go, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think that they're like, well, I don't want to play not in front of fans. I don't have to go to, you know, I don't have to take this four-game road trip and not interact with anybody because I want to get laid. So I like basketball, but I love strange, and I'm not going to sign up unless you... <laughs> I am. Like, it's, a, it's like being a rock star, right? It's like, well, I mean, part of the, part of the professional sports experience is fans in that way <laughs> i guess i don't think about it that much but yes it is definitely a factor that's why if you're a professional athlete you shouldn't get married until you're just about done being a professional athlete i mean i think very few people can manage that but the uh but you know just play play for the tv audience i mean that's the, there's no reason they can't do it there's no reason there's no there's no reason they couldn't be again just sequestered in a way that allows them to play games on television that we can that we can watch. They can get paid. The, you know the the TV networks will have something to show, for God's right. sake. I mean, it helps a lot of people if they just figure this. If they can figure this out in the short term. I mean, golf sure. makes no sense that it's not on TV. 
but I don't quite understand why we can't. I mean, I understand like the production crews, but I really don't. You could be playing the golf, like, and we could be having a bare bones broadcast, and it would be fine. Yeah, I mean, the announcers don't even have to be at the course. No, and I think it's been responsible to have it closed off for a while. But as we look toward the summer months, it does seem like the one one of the few sports where you really don't have to touch anything. Right. Um, and it, but you you know with golf though you've got to travel from place to place. There's a lot of you can't control the environment in a way you can't control where the players have been and if they interact at all. They obviously, all the more private. we learn about this and huh, what's that? <laughs> they all fly private. Not the guys that are like trying to stay on the tour. They're driving. <laughs> That's fine. They just drive. <laughs> so you just want to. So basically, you want pro golf with like just the top fifty. That's all you're like. Just top eighty players, maybe. Who can make it? You know, if you can, if you want to, if you want to play, we have a, we have, we have, we have a, we have a production crew and a golf course. Let's get those drone cameras out there. Let's make it happen. Yeah. But what happens when like a player, not golf wise, but like in the MLB, for instance, where the union's really strong and there's already like they're 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 earning a year of service time, whether they play or not, for instance, right? That was something that that the owners acquiesced to, mm-hmm. um, and I believe they're getting paid. Um, but what about players then who can and maybe should, depending on the situation, just refuse to participate? What do you do? You just move on without them, or you just they're just not part of your team, or until they're comfortable and they decide they want to join the the party or what i mean that would that's that's how i would do it i mean there's certainly there's certainly people who want to play ball and then what you suspend the entire thing again as soon as somebody accidentally tests positive because or sneaks out of the quarantined area like i mean we're gonna fence them in are you gonna have no yeah i mean if somebody if somebody if somebody tests positive then of course i mean there's regular testing for everybody who's playing sure so that shouldn't be that shouldn't be an issue. I mean, they can test lions and tigers apparently now. <laughs> like, like, like I can't get a test and you can't get a test, but apparently lions and tigers and zoos are getting <laughs> coronavirus tests these days. I mean, this, these are professional athletes. I mean, the there's the their structure allows them to have things that we don't, and so you could test them on a regular basis for for coronavirus. It shouldn't be that difficult. I mean. Everybody, you know, every two days you get the swab in your nose. I mean, it's not a big deal. That's easy, easy stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's hard to get on board with anything that, that is going to take up that much from a resource perspective, just because we we still don't have nearly enough for actually <laughs> containing the, the virus as it, as it is. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, but it's a small, it's a small group. It's a small group of people, relatively speaking. Fair. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, just players alone is, uh, what, 600 players? 600 MLB players? Easy. That's, Easy. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean to, test, to test those guys three times a week, you could easily do it. No big deal. Each team has trainers. They've got, you know, while you're getting your ankles taped or whatever, they stick a swab in your nose. Yeah. Deep, deep in your nose, apparently. Apparently so, that thing's like a, apparently that thing's like a, like oh, they're touching wall. your brain with that thing. I've <laughs> seen the, the, the crosshatch, the cross-section, rather. Yeah. Of what that looks like, yeah. Uh, basketball, though, like, that seems easier because it's less people, and it really you could really distance in an arena, right? You could, yeah, staffs but could it's easily. Mu- but it's much more touchy. Right, you have to a, touch each other constantly. From a game, from a game perspective, it's way touchy. So the pitchers in baseball, they have to pitch with a glove, like a glove on their pitching hand. You can't touch. You can't actually touch the ball. Everyone no. has to have a, a nitro glove on their throwing hand. 
No, the ball, again, it's not like, again, those balls don't stay in play that long, to be honest with you. And, I mean, even if you Purelled your hand after every half inning, you'd probably be fine. Well, you could have the ball boy just over there, like, every pitch, there's a fresh ball. Yeah, you could. A pitcher would hate that. But yeah, they would would hate that. But a pitcher. He's over there wiping them with Clorox wipes. No, between a pitcher and catcher, though, I mean, they're the only ones who touch the ball for the most part. I don't know. I think it's doable with some of those. Basketball is much more difficult because people are spitting and sweating on each other and breathing in your face very closely. But Uh, regardless, though, the transmission risk, you have to have have it completely contained. Everybody has to be tested. So theoretically, it shouldn't matter, right, in basketball. Because the only way you can do it is if you're certain that nobody who's participating could potentially infect somebody else. Right. So, And again, golf's even easier. Just don't shake hands anymore. (laughs) It's just... (laughs) That's it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Just it's it seems there's some sports. I don't know. Even soccer seems like it's doable. I mean, I know they get into each other a little bit, quite a bit here and there, but, you know, but I would say like something like basketball or hockey is probably a no go. Even if you. What's amazing to me about the whole thing is how much I desperately want there to be actual baseball on TV, which is not a thing that I watch. <laughs> but you take it right out. Oh, my God. Please. Just so. I don't have to. I, honestly, the the illusion of choice, you know, the, the abundance of choice, creating the illusion of choice when it comes to streaming is sometimes just like I don't, I don't know, man. Who gives a shit? Just put something on. <laughs> I can't pick. There is a. That's how I fell into Anaconda. I just <laughs> I turned the TV on and it was on. Yeah. Like my kids don't understand channel surfing. Right, right, right. We and there's something about this to be before? said for joining a movie that you're familiar with right. partway through partway through it's like yeah. oh I, this is these are like these are like these are like yesterday's underwear that i didn't watch <laughs> they're so comfortable <laughs> they're so comfortable all right segment three guess what this <laughs> coronavirus coronavirus all right so as we try to rise out of this plague scourge <laughs> whatever we'd like to call it the invisible enemy Patent pending. <laughs> Trademark pending. You know, I said that the, a couple of weeks ago on the show, and I was making a joke, and then I, felt, I was like, I don't think that came across as a joke. I'm not, definitely not calling it the invisible enemy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, people, six weeks, we, are we close to six weeks here? What is it? It's April. I don't even know what the date is. It's April, early April now. I know that my kids stopped going to school the first week of March. Right. I was, Yes. I was playing golf the first week of March. Thank the God. last time I played golf was the 14th. And then, yes. And then it was closed like two days later. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're coming up on a, I mean, it was a soft close in the first half of, in the first half of March. Mm-hmm. And then it was a hard close. Yes. For the last three weeks. So we're into, let's call it a month. This is, I mean, for us, realistically, this is the sixth week yeah. we have been in the house. Yeah. So people are still not playing 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 the game right <laughs> well i think that there's a, like we you know matt and i talked about while you're gone the media diet definitely affecting people's movements in society and it, it shows me a lot about either there's a couple of things when i see how you act you don't give a like, depending on what i see from you you either just don't give a fuck period you've gone jesus take the wheel on the whole thing yeah uh or you don't believe that there's a problem yeah. And that's pretty much, th- that's it. Like, I don't care if, I believe there's a problem and I don't care. 
Okay. I believe there's a problem, there's... and I don't think I can do anything about it. Okay. Uh, or I'm convinced there's not a problem, or it's not something to be worried about. There's a I, there's a there's a group of people that you're missing, um, okay. which is I'm fucking desperate. Like there are people who are living close to the bone and just sure. have to get out and do stuff just in order to. Well, I don't mean to marginalize folks, but I'm talking about specifically in situations where my assumption is that you can choose how you behave though when you're like at the grocery store. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not caping up for these people, but did you notice that Sweden just doesn't give a fuck at all? Those people are just living their lives, like eating at cafes, restaurants are open, everything is open, they're just going about their business. People are getting coronavirus and going to the hospital and they haven't changed their lifestyle one iota. Interesting. I had seen that early in the process, but Still. as we've kind of deepened, I think I've really only started paying attention to what's going on here more as it's, you know, become more prevalent. Um, I, I don't, I'll be interesting to see how that works out. I haven't seen updated numbers in a while, but maybe I'll take a look. Yeah. I haven't looked at their numbers either, but they are just, they're just not, they're just like, okay, let's just, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do it. Some people are going to die and that's just gonna be it, huh? Some people are going to go to the hospital and you know, if you're in, if you're at risk, if you're in an at risk group, stay home. But for the most part, people who don't fall into that category are just doing their thing, just living, going to the, haven't changed their, haven't changed their, their, their behavior. But you know, what's funny is I'm sure, again, people are, you know, you have to have better habits, right? You have to have good hand habits. You have to go, you, you have to be able to control your sneezes and coughs. All these things are going to carry over, right? I mean, we're done shaking we hands. Hope. We're done shaking hands. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the next person who like sticks their hand out for me to shake it is going to get a no thanks. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's going to be a, you're going to get like a polite Asian style bow for me, which is, which is I started using, which I like. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do the Larry David. I'm just going to put my hands up and go, eh, a little head shake. But the, uh, but I know those, those folks are still, uh, you're, you're, I think you're calling out the right folks. The, the, but part of me thinks that you know you, you hear all this discussion about herd immunity, right? Uh, uh -huh. And the only way to get herd immunity is actually to actually get the the you have to actually get it. Like in lieu of a vaccine, the only way to get herd immunity is to actually get the disease and not die from it. But that only stops exponential spread. It doesn't stop like standard contact spread. So if you and I say go to an arena and you've had it and you're better mm -hmm. and you're next to somebody who is asymptomatic spreading and we don't mm -hmm. know that, right? Right. And then you and I, hands you, hand, you, you touch them somehow and then you hand something to me and I haven't had it, I'm getting it. Yeah. Right, just because you can't get it again doesn't mean that I'm not going to still get it. So it does. It sucks, but it's, I guess the idea is that it's going to. It would then move through society more like the flu, except that it's still much more deadly than the flu. And I don't want pneumonia, so I, I would rather stay away from people until we get a vaccine than run through this 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 thing where there's this disease that just runs through society all the time, where your your I, risk of uh, infection is still pretty high. And I know we play this. I know we play. I, I know people play this game with the, it's like the two Skittles, the two poison Skittles. Have right. you seen that one? Right. Yeah. There's like there's a bowl of a hundred Skittles. Two of them are poison. Would you eat the Would you eat the bowl of Skittles? Of course not. Of course not. It's because a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous example. But if you think about this, like you don't know what degree you're going to get it, 
right? You could get it and you could feel like crap for a couple of days and you could get over it. You could. Not saying you would, but you could. And again, it's like 20% of people get hospitalized and then, and then, you know, 2% of the people, 1% of the population actually dies from it. And again, this is, you don't want to play numbers with people's lives, but this is, it, even though it's not the flu, it models itself very it, what happens is when when that 20% of people get hospitalized if you're in a place like new york city uh-huh. it's a huge problem right right if you're in a place like carlinville illinois <laughs> population 5000 it's not it's not it's not such a it's not such a big deal and again it, population density has a lot to do with it where you live has a lot to do with it i mean there's a lot of people who could get back out into the world and you know, even in the state of Washington, right? If you live in eastern Washington, you know, it's likely you could go back to doing the things you've been doing. I mean, it's 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 pretty I mean, aside from aside from social things, but work type things, it feels like there's a lot you could do. I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying, except for the fact that it's not pleasant to be out in the world and be like just hyper hand focused and hyper touch not that you shouldn't be and we've talked about this earlier that i still try not to touch things but now it's like a psychosis level right where i'm really <laughs> trying not to touch anything i don't have to and right. when i gear up for the grocery store it's you know so i went to the grocery store uh yesterday and that's 24 hours after the general public is now asked to wear masks and that's because mm-hmm. there's been studies that say that if someone coughs the droplets can hang in the air for anywhere from one to three hours right so you could walk through a cloud of previous breath and and contract the virus Mm -hmm. so both to prevent the spread so if you are symptomatic or asymptomatic that you are not coughing those droplets into the air and then also to protect yourself if you are walking through an area where there's been people in a high relatively high traffic area and what i'm getting at with the people who clearly don't give a fuck is i walked in the store and within two minutes there's a guy in there he, he had to be 70 years old if not older than that he's pushing his cart around he's got no protective equipment on whatsoever and he picks up and answers his phone and then is just talking on his phone and i'm just like my god what are you doing like when i went in there i'm like not touching my phone's not coming out of my pocket like it's emergencies only i will take it out to pay at the end that's it Mm -hmm. and then i'll sanitize it when i'm done but like i should you know i glove up mask up for the grocery store and then when i'm done loading the car i strip all that stuff off and get rid of it and uh just I, i just feel like i'm doing the, the required things to, to, to prevent myself from being exposed. And it's shocking to me how people are just so they, they just cause it's, it has to be this intellectual thing. If you, especially if you haven't had a personal experience that you have to decide that it's a real threat and you're going to have to behave accordingly. Um, I was just kind of shocked to see that behavior or the different ways that people, you know, they're behaving in the grocery store. Now I really think it's pretty respectful of the, the distance for the most part. And, mm-hmm. for the, and also most people had masks, masks on at the grocery store. Yeah. Um, but then I had to make a second stop because the first place I went to didn't have any eggs. And so at that point I was like, I don't have any like additional PPE for myself here. And I felt terrified walking around that second store. And I know that's probably me sort of making it worse than it is, but there were at that second store. This, it was weird. It was like the people there we're operating in a completely different world where this wasn't really a threat. People weren't taking it nearly as they, they just weren't very serious about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me nervous. It's just like, ah, I just want to see more like conscientious effort from folks. Eggs were hard to find. Yes. Yes. In fact, 
Sidebar. The um, <laughs> my wife on they the deliveries for our local Safeway come out on Friday. They uh, she went to the gro she called the grocery store at five thirty in the morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> they said they had eggs, and she went and bought like fifty some odd like the thrash. I'm surprised they let her buy that many. Our our Safeway yeah, has fifty four. You can't buy more than two cartons. Two cartons. She bought three. Okay. Three, three, three cartons of eighteen. Sure. So, <laughs> but she, but she went at quarter to six in the morning, and she said it was pretty busy. Yeah. The, uh, but here's the thing: in lieu of a vaccine, herd immunity is like the only way to get through this. Yes. So people are gonna have to get. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to chance to get it, and maybe if you get it. You don't end up in that in that in the in the bad percentiles, right? Maybe the odds always be in your favor. Who yeah. knows, right? Which is a which is a horrible way to have to live your life. But the but part of my part of my thinking was the government should say, you know, they should just they should just take a wide swath of the population, cut it in half, and say, hey, if you're from if A through M or A through L, it's like if you're not in a risk category, you can go to work. You know, and just and just take half the population and put them back into play, if you want to. Now, I don't know what companies would say about it. I don't know what, I don't know what my company would say. My company would probably say, even though the state government said you could go to work, you shouldn't come in. We don't want you coming in. I get that, and they can and they can do that. Mm-hmm. But there are some businesses, I think, would want to get part of their workforce back, uh, especially like construction and you know, roofing and landscaping and all these kinds of businesses that are currently on hold, which I'm not sure why, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like they're in contact that way, but, but I think they could, they work outside. They have plenty of ability to, to, to distance themselves from each other. I mean, there's, there's, I'm trying to figure out my brain just like, Hey, let can we get some people back into play uh-huh. who are, who are in non-risk categories? Well, I mean, yeah, you can build Elysium. <laughs> so all the people who get tested and don't have it can go up to Elysium and everybody else can be the dirty coronavirus workers. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about building no, a I'm not. two-tiered I'm not, society. I'm not talking about a two-tiered society. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm just saying that there's some people who are running businesses or who are, you know, who are, who want to do, who want to work. And, and... I'm just trying to think in lieu of a vaccine, how do you do it? And that's, and the only way to do it is to get people circulating again in small batches. Again, if we're talking about not overwhelming the, not overwhelming the, the, uh, the health system, again, you release, you can, you get people circulating again in small batches. I don't know. I'm flat out terrified of being put on a ventilator. Like that is, I, you know, we've talked before a little bit about fears, and I've said, like, yeah. I don't really have, like, fears. And when I think about that, that is up there. Holy shit, I do not want to be, like, short of breath is terrifying. Uh, not being able to get air when you feel like you should be able to breathe is just the kind of feeling, like, just, it makes me want to take a deep breath right now and make sure that my lungs still function. Right. I understand that. I, it, people are going to get, I mean, I guess we're, I guess we're looking, we're staring down the barrel of being inside quarantine for the rest of this month, the rest yeah. of April. Yeah. I don't know. May people are, I mean, I don't know. Again, we're, I'm, I'm 
very blessed and lucky to be able to continue to do what I'm doing. Right. But there are a lot of people out there who are going to be in dire, dire straits, even if, even with whatever government aid is coming. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something's going to have to happen, unfortunately. And I think, again, if you, if you get people circulating in small batches, um, I think, I think you, I think you might even encourage a little herd immunity. Well, and the other thing that encourages that for me that I want to get past is I'm not excited about what I'm seeing on the internet with law enforcement feeling very empowered to just fuck with you even more so than they ever did before because they decide that they can. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. A, yeah. I don't know. People ratty, people ratty each other out for, 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 uh, for, uh, like your neighbors. Well, so my, yeah, dirt bike neighbor, right. Who, you know, I'm not a fan of. Right. Um, they still drive too fast up and down the neighborhood street. Uh, he, two days ago, a bunch of his buddies show up outside his house and they load up their dirt bikes and all get in his truck. And I'm like, okay, so I guess you know where all those people have been. I hope they've been, all been inside for three weeks to this point. I mean, I would go play golf, but I'm not going to carpool with you. Apparently monster energy drink, uh, you know, battles, the battles, the COVID-19, though know, they're counting on that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of wanted to call the cops. <laughs> I'm not going I'm not to gonna lie. <laughs> not going to, but I kind of wanted to. <laughs> oh, I was going to make a Karen joke, but I know the Karens are all uh, up in arms these not, days. Hashtag not all Karens. Not all Karens. Hashtag. By the way, Hashtag not all Karen sidebar. We should obviously be blaming John Oliver for this whole Karen business because all of his, oh. all of his jokes when he does, you know, he sets up a joke and then he'll like play it out. Like he'll play the scenario out in like a little drama thing. And it's always Karen or Susan. Like, <laughs> Karen and Susan have been, I think it's John Oliver's fault. He's not taking nearly enough of the blame from the Karen population. They should absolutely be on his ass for this. Well, I don't mean to speak for black Twitter, <laughs> but based on my understanding of some of the, the reading that I've done, both Becky and Karen are long established references in the black community uh-huh. for two different types of white women. Okay. And so I think Karen, Becky's been mainstream for a long time. Yeah. Becky with the good hair. Sure. Yeah. That was when that went mainstream, right? You probably had yes. never heard Becky until that. No. Yeah. Uh, but Karen is, is a similar thing. So I'm not sure if John Oliver necessarily got it or if it came out of the the writer's room and I don't know, you know, the background of his writing staff. Right. (laughs) But it may well be just that it is the known sort of... Karen needs to talk to the manager. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Let me talk to your supervisor. (laughs) Anyway, poor Karen. All right. Speaking of John Oliver raining down terror on the Karen community, it's time for... Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! Dad jokes of the week. Woo! All right. There were some bad ones this week. <laughs> this week? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's the intro to the segment. I don't know if you picked up on that yet. <laughs> Not great this week. <laughs> some variation of that. Uh, so the other day I got into a fight with one, three, five, seven, and 9. The odds were against me. Why did... <laughs> uh, sorry. Bad at golf? Join the club. Mm. Mm. Uh, why did Waldo go to therapy? Find himself. That's correct. <laughs> what do you get if you stand between two llamas? Laminated. <laughs> I, I did, there's not. That's not quite there. So to me, the joke is about a llama assassin 
you get elaminated. Elaminated? Yes. Yeah. La- laminated versus laminated. Yeah. yeah. If I could have come John. up with a John Llama Wick joke there. But... <laughs> <laughs> what did the chicken say to the duck that was about to cross the road? <laughs> the setup's already. Uh, it's a stretch. I don't know. Don't do it, man. You'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> An interesting fact 3.14% of sailors are pirates. Yeah. 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 And finally, do you think glass coffins could be a success? Remains to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) We also got a submission, a listener submission. All right. From friend of the show, Brian Schwartz. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Schwartz 04. Brian sends, I was watching an Australian cooking show and the audience applauded when the chef made a merengue. I was surprised because usually Australians boomerangue. They boomerangue. <laughs> More like they're not saying boo, they're saying boo earns. <laughs> boo earns. That's it. That's a terrible joke. It's not good. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Good effort. Good job. Good effort. Keep setting them in. <laughs> Mine's a uh, corona coronavirus um, related joke this week. It's more of a statement joke. My it's sort of like a Rodney Dangerfield kind of joke. Can I okay. do it as Rodney? Hey, my wife put a picture of my face on her butt so I'd stop touching it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it was better because you did the the impression. The Rodney it worked better, yeah. The good, the Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. No, it's a Rodney Dangerfield joke. I like it. Um, I had one more to add on here that I wanted to share this week that I, I really enjoyed. My wife yelled from upstairs and asked, do you ever get a shooting pain across your body like someone's got a voodoo all of you and they're trying to, they're stabbing it? <laughs> Sounded concerned. I replied, no. Pause. She responds, how about now? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a true story. We've been, we've been in this house a long time. It's been tough. All right. Time for Passover time. Overtime. All right. So it's Passover. And um, the first thing I should do is I'm, I'm going to tell you to go onto YouTube, find the uh, Sebastian Maniscalco bit about Passover, because that was very much my very first Passover experience. I didn't understand that I had to eat beforehand <laughs> because there's lots of reading involved. Yes. Right. So you have to. So it took me it, it took me one year to figure that out. So, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very Seder savvy these days. Uh-huh. I got, I get the whole thing. And of course it's Exodus. So it's totally action packed and you know, there's frogs and blood and darkness and angel of death. And you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy, man. Topical. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> there's a plague. Yeah. Yeah, God, God sends a plague to destroy to destroy the Egyptians. Anyway, so uh, we did our Passover tonight, and we had to do it. Unfortunately, no one could travel this year, so we did it on Zoom, like everybody's doing it on Zoom. Uh-huh. Zoom's a big deal. You know what? Zoom went from like 10 million users to 200 million users in two and a half weeks. And well, that I'm impressed with their infrastructure because we still use it for business, and it's performed right. admirably. The first right. few weeks, the first week or so, was a little dicey. Right. There was some load balancing stuff, but yep. God bless those people because they have, they have come through. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we did it on Zoom, and, uh, and it worked great. And, um, 
Yeah, happy Passover to those those folks who are uh, who are celebrating tonight. I, I was told today uh, by a Jewish person that saying happy Passover to those that celebrate is condescending. It is. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's what I saw. <laughs> are you sure that person is just not trying to pick a fight? It was Len Hochberg. You can go ask him. Should I say happy Passover to my Jewish friends? Because I'm not Jewish, but I but I celebrate Passover. I mean, this is the only person I've ever seen throw up some rules around who you're supposed to, who and how you're supposed to say it. So, for you Christians out there who are you know, the Last Supper is actually a seder. Okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> they get together for Passover. There's and... a Passover joke on the calendar tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think. I think people celebrate Passover in the first two nights. But yeah, so the, the Last Supper is Jesus and his apostles getting together for Passover dinner. They're, they're, celebrating, they're celebrating. Well, I'll Passover. just tell it since I, I just read it and I can remember it right now. All right, here we go. But bonus OT, dad joke of the week. All right. Jesus walks into a restaurant and said, I'd like a table for 26. The waiter or the, the host looks at him and says, well, I only see 13 of you. And Jesus says, yes, we're all going to sit on the same side. <laughs> that's a funny, see, that's a funny joke. It's not bad. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh. Did you have anything else for the overtime? Um, Actually, I have a question for you about Passover. Oh, sure. So I've seen it a lot on the internet uh, that people do the, the Zoom, and then they have, like, in the in their Zoom screenshot, they have a, a blank screenshot that just says Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't. Part that doesn't of, mean anything to me. Uh, there's a... Okay, so part of the Passover... Part of the Passover Seder is at one you you pour a, a cup of wine for Elijah. Okay. And then at one point during the Seder, someone goes to open the door to let the spirit of Elijah in. Got it. So they were and doing a joins, Zoom. And he joins your and he joins your Seder. So having a blank Elijah is hilarious. Okay. Um sidebar here. Hilarious SNL skit with Jerry Seinfeld about Passover and Elijah, because they open the door. And he walks in. He's like, it's me. It's Elijah. And it's Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Hilarious. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, I had one last thing. So I've been in quarantine playing uh, Super Mario Odyssey on the N- Nintendo Switch. That's a really good game, by the way. Um, very much different than the gaming experience I'm used to these days. Uh, it's a true video game. You know, where you have to run and jump. And if you screw up just the jumps and stuff, you die. And it just they don't, video games are not built that way very often anymore. Um, but I got to the end and I realized something because at the end of the game, the whole purpose of the game is that Bowser has kidnapped Peach and you must rescue Peach from Bowser. Why is she always, why is he always kidnapping? Why, why do they, why does the Donkey Kong have to kidnap someone and then Bowser has to kidnap someone? I mean, come on. Just be nice. You don't have to kidnap (laughs) women. (laughs) Right. Jesus. Uh, these incels, you never know what they're doing. Um, Anyway, so at the end of the game, you save Peach from a forced marriage. That's the whole plot of the game is that Bowser's going around <laughs> the world collecting all these items he needs for this wedding that you are, like, trailing him and, and picking uh-huh. up, and, and you're moving through these different worlds that he's already visited and stolen, whatever the, the valuable artifact is. Okay. You save her from a forced marriage to Bowser, and then the cinema, the, 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 uh, the cutscene that occurs... There seems to be some debate at the end about, like, so Mario pulls out flowers and then, like, Bowser beckons to Peach with also with flowers and it looks like she's debating it. It's like, wait a minute, what? I just spent, like, 45 hours playing through this game to get to this point and you're going to you're gonna look at me and maybe go back to the monster I had to rescue you from? It was very... She, she's got Stockholm Syndrome. She really does. It's the Beauty and the Beast situation. Right. 
she eventually chooses Mario, of course. So they, whatever, Mario and Peach fuck off back to the Mushroom Kingdom, right? Okay. And when you get back there, the game restarts, and it's actually a new level for you to explore. So it's cool. There's actually a lot of post-endgame content that I, I was like, oh, I'm done. And then I was like, oh, there's hours more play in front of me if I want to do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, but you run around the Mushroom Kingdom, and you talk to the Toads, and you discover that Peach has packed her bags and bailed. Like, they're like, we don't know where she went. She got here, and then she, like, she packed a suitcase and took off. <laughs> so my point here is that Mario is in the friend zone. He does not know it. He has been in the friend zone for 40 years. And this man has no idea. She's a princess. He's a plumber. Let's, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some, there's some obvious, some, some socioeconomic bias that Princess Peach has against the, a working man with an oversized mustache. So what you're he's, saying is Mario needs a fairy godmother. He's, he's a little short. He's got a bushy mustache and he's an immigrant plumber. And, <laughs> and, and Princess Peach just not into it now princess peach should have agency over her own sexuality at this point well maybe she shouldn't need Mario <laughs> to come save her all the time <laughs> call somebody else lady maybe maybe does i mean she's obviously the princess of a kingdom right the mushroom <laughs> kingdom i mean as far as i can tell it's just those toads <laughs> their security is obviously for shit it's, I mean, again, maybe, it's just those toads. Like at some point, at some point, Luigi should probably call him and say Mario, or like this Mario. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> Stop wasting your time on this speech. <laughs> she doesn't love you. <laughs> you leaving this bitch alone? <laughs> She's ruining our lives, not just your life, but my life too, Mario. I cannot do all these plumbing jobs by myself while you're running around saving this crazy woman. <laughs> she won't leave the monster alone. <laughs> she's drawn to she's drawn to hurtful men. All right, I think we've run the bit to its, its logical conclusion. <laughs> I think we went right past that, to be honest with you. But I think you get I think you get the point. Yeah, and no more time for me to talk about uh, Trump going C O V I D nineteen. <laughs> very famous term. Oh, you, clearly, I've never seen it written down at that point. A lot of people don't know it. No Are you ready? Don't. We all know that, right? <laughs> God damn it! I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Trump's press conference next week as Luigi. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go great. That'll be great. You People can look forward like, to that, folks. People will go back to their podcast app and go <laughs> unsubscribe. <laughs> well, on that note, that's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to Two on Three Pod. We hope you're hanging in there. If you don't already, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next week with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism. And until then, peace!